Thank you for joining us today for the Fair Loss of You podcast. We're going to be talking about everything related to fair trade fashion, including sustainability, ethics, human trafficking, our artisans, and keeping kids in school. My name is Jackie Costello, and I own the Golden Rule Boutique, an all fair trade boutique based in San Diego. My co host is Jen Parlin, and she is a fair trade partner with Threads Worldwide based in Connecticut. Today's episode features a conversation between Jackie and Matthew Iskey, founder of the Your Truth Foundation. This episode was recorded prior to what is currently happening in our world right now. That said, we really wish all of you and your families love and good health. All right, Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you on and for our listeners to learn more about you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, I, uh, my name is Matthew Iskey. I am, I do lots of different things. <laughs> I am a part-time teacher of entrepreneurship at a continuation school in Poway, it's called Abraxas High School. I actually developed and organized the entrepreneurship program there. I am the founder, founder of a nonprofit called the Your Truth Foundation. It is a nonprofit that stands to provide preventative education to youth to prevent violence and trafficking of women and children in Southern California. And I am also the co-founder of, I kind of have two selves, <laughs> the nonprofit side of me does the preventative education and then the for-profit side of me, which sustains that nonprofit and sustains me financially is called Stigma Solutions. I'm the co-founder of that and that is a, it's a media, it's a content creation and marketing team. Uh, there's five people that work with me. That is a group that produces video and photo and podcasts and helps people manage their social media. What we say is we use those tools to help people share their story. Um, and it's everything that you would expect. We make video and photo and all the stuff that you need for business creation. But the idea is with that was creating something to help nonprofits with our marketing. My the nonprofit side of me had found so many nonprofits that were doing incredible work, like saving families and providing shelter and helping with addiction, helping with mental health, but they didn't have the resources or the knowledge or the want or the personality to play the game of marketing. So we go to those people and we say, hey, we'll cut you 80% off our prices. We'll do things for free just to help them raise a little bit more money, to help them help another family, to help them get a little bit more awareness. Because when you work in that field, you get to help somebody who's in an exponential way. If they raise another thousand dollars, you're significantly helping them. You're helping more people as opposed to just doing marketing for the sake of helping people build their businesses. Not that that's not important, but we're trying to do it in a little bit of a different way. So nonprofit side of me, teacher side of me, and and for-profit side of me. (laughs) Three different sides. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that's amazing. You have your hands in a lot of things. Um, It's very exciting. Um, I'd like to first touch on what so you're working with nonprofits yes. with your business yes. with Stigma Solutions, yes. and are you working with just nonprofits? Is it both? Or no, how does no, it work? We, we work with both. So we work in the for-profit sector to ultimately sustain ourselves, so I can pay my team, so I can pay my bills, and take that stability that we get from having clients in the for-profit mm-hmm. sector, ultimately, so we can go to our nonprofit clients and say, hey, we can do you a video for super cheap or for free, or we can manage your social media account for super cheap or for free. But the only way we can really do that is through the work that we do in the nonprofit sector. So mm-hmm. we work for brands and businesses and realtors and companies. And like, there are a lot of people that need video work done. There's a lot of people that need podcast production and that kind of work, but it's a little different. Like, If you work with us, 
you are in turn helping groups like Operation Hope and groups like Welcome Home Kids and yeah. groups like NAMI and like those are clients that we have experience with and it, it allows us to do the work that we that we truly want to do, the work that we think is most important. Absolutely. For the for-profits, are you looking for do-good companies specifically or, or just? Generally, I mean, obviously we want companies that have good ethics and morals and things that are that are impacting the community. Um, we definitely try to favor those companies and we try to target those companies because mm -hmm. it's more in line with what we're trying to do as a brand, but Absolutely. we're not super discriminatory. Like <laughs> money matters. Yeah. Money, money yeah. is something that we all need to sustain ourselves. And if we can help somebody with a video, I mean, we'll shoot a house for an open house. And yeah. if that realtor, I mean, we can give them a good price and they can, we can make some money there and we can help nonprofits that just work. So we're not, we're not super picky with the for-profits that we work for, but as a target, we definitely are trying to look for businesses that are that are doing things that are making a difference. Like I think that there's enough money in the system right now. It's, it's a pretty good time economically and socially where we can kind of put pressure on people to be mindful of where they're spending their money and how they're doing their business. And I mean, similar to what you do, like how are you, what kind of clothes are you wearing? What do you, where's the money that you're making going? What, how are your employees' qualities of life? Like, we have we live in a time where companies have the ability to do that and those are definitely the companies that we like to work with absolutely <laughs> i love it um i'd love to hear your journey of getting started to start a nonprofit with such mm. a big purpose as your um your truth foundation yeah uh it's it's interesting for whatever reason for since i was six years old i can remember like being around things terrible things that have happened to people that are close to me they've been close to me, like abuse in the family and sexual assault and, and rape and just all of these horrible dark things that me as a kid had no idea how to deal with. Um, and just having it, like being the gravity for it almost, like it just spiraling around me like six years old and 10 years old and where, no matter where I went, somebody would open up to me about what had happened and, and how it affected them and I, I got to see it in this way where I had no idea how to help, but I knew what it looked like. and. Uh, it kind of ran hand in hand with like my crazy journey as a kid and I barely graduated high school and there was addiction in my family and it was really turbulent at home and I struggled through high school and the only way that I was able to graduate high school was by going to a homeschool program where I was like a credit recovery program I wasn't anywhere near on track to graduate in like a traditional four-year you should graduate high school in four years kind of track and I figured out that being outside the system was really good for me. That if I was outside of distractions and I could kind of like take things apart and it, the way that it worked was they would give me a packet of, of homework and I could take as many classes as I wanted and I would just have to go there to take tests. So I could take on a ton of work and being outside of the classroom I wasn't as distracted and I could figure out a way to like optimize my workflow or optimize the work so that it wasn't so much busy work and it didn't feel useless to me. So I figured out like I have some control here. There's a way that I can really go through this and figure it out. And that theme, the reason why I'm saying it is because it applied to the rest of my life. Figuring out that I could do things on my own and then having all of this like pain and darkness that forged all this like emotional intelligence and awareness and all sorts of stuff in me. I uh, ended up building a business in 2015 that was a marketing company. I was a professional boxing coach at the time and I ended up building my own website on Squarespace. And Squarespace at the time was not super popular. When you considered websites, you had to go to somebody and get a website coded for you and it cost a lot of money and it was, it was a big deal. And these template type websites were just coming out. So I built myself a website and I tried to consider like, I went to Google one day, I was like, I wonder how much it would have cost me to hire somebody else to do that work. 
and it, the quote was like $3,300 for an eight-page website or something like yeah. that. Like, Whoa, I, I just paid, did. I paid $2,500 yeah. in 2016 yeah, for my website. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that those were the kind of clients that I, that I worked with. Mm-hmm. And I figured if I had to pay somebody else $3,300 to do what I just learned, maybe I could sell this to other people. Yeah. So I started talking to people. Just started being like, hey, I make websites now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this is what I do. Yeah. And did some for free work, um, helped some people with some disabilities, just like anybody that needed help. And then mm. that business grew and I started taking on clients and learning more and kind of getting my hands in it. And then I Googled myself one day and I was top five in San Diego. Get out of here. Yeah, it blew wow. my mind. I was like, what? That's my company name. That's crazy. <laughs> That's so cool. And I had no idea. I, honestly, I think it was, it was hard work and it was luck. I think that I was in the right place at the right time with the template thing because yeah. coded websites were so expensive. And I could, a client would come to me and I would say, oh, 2,000, 3,000. Whoa, really? That's all? That's crazy. And I was getting business on that discount because people didn't, weren't really aware of what was going on with Squarespace. And I was kind of in the right place at the right time. And then, I mean, as a kid growing up at this point, it was 2015, so I was 23 years old and I didn't grow up with much money. I didn't grow up with, you know, it was always about like, what are the, what are the poor people doing? What are the rich people doing? Are we rich? Like my family was very much so focused on like, what's the next thing we can buy? We didn't have a lot of money, but we were really focused on material things. Mm. So 23 year old me thought I needed all the material things. Yeah. And I bought shoes and $500 belt and silk <laughs> shirts and I brought myself a brand new Lexus and I, I built myself to this place at 23 where I was like, I did it. You know, I made this money. Like, this is who I want to be. And there was just this point where I looked at it and I'm like, this is not what I want. This is, I don't like this stuff. I don't like the way I feel wearing these clothes or driving this car. I don't like the way people look at me. Mm. I didn't, it, it, none of it felt right. So in parallel, as the business grew, I started getting contacts from people, like customers that were out of state. And I, had a couple fraudulent jobs where they're basically scams. Like I would build half a website and somebody would send me a check, a fake check for $5,000. Oh, no. And I still have the check. I have this Bank of America cashier's check that's like the realest looking check you've ever seen. I took it to, I took it to the bank and they go, this, this is fake. What? what do you mean? I just spent 10 hours building a website. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in parallel with like not even liking the money, seeing all the bad things that had happened around me, but also witnessing that I could create something that created money and created change in my life, and then get, having the business get like weird and fraudulent, I shut it down in 2016 and I built something called One Way Out that was an idea of, I had known so many women in my life that had experienced terrible things. If I can build something that made money and made other people money, why can't I build something that would actually affect change in something that mattered? And that was my first blip into doing the nonprofit side of things of trying to prevent violence and trying to prevent trafficking and trying to prevent suffering and add some awareness around like the idea of like if we know about these things if we educate people about these things if they're aware of it at least it doesn't have to be dark and dreary it doesn't have to be horrible it's just preparation of like look these things exist yeah and if you're aware of them and you look at them they're much less likely to have a drastic terrible impact on your life it's like the monster in the room like i always picture the kid like laying in bed that's that's scared of like the shadow like scared of the dark but the second you turn the lights on and look at that thing you realize like i have some control here there's something i can do but if you hide under the covers our brain just makes it worse yes and it just it just becomes this thing that's dark and paranoid and scary and that was the idea like let's let's start a business i love that looking at it directly and and looking at what you can do awareness so i have um i'm wondering how you found out or heard about human trafficking specifically because you talk about mm-hmm. you know your family had gone through mm-hmm. rape and you mm-hmm. know all these kinds of other horrible things abuse 
but human trafficking specifically, did you know someone that was trafficked or did you hear yeah, about yeah, it? Yeah, I've, I've known several people that have been, that have been trafficked. I've been in, been in areas where people were being trafficked around me. Looking back, I didn't necessarily know at the time, mm. but looking back, it was like, oh, that's what was happening. You know, yeah. it's, it, human trafficking is something that's so interesting because the way that it's portrayed to society and the way that it actually is are two very, very different things. Right. I mean, we're shown movies like Taken and we're shown, we, we think that whenever I talk to anybody about it, they say that like, oh, but they're being shipped in from Thailand or mm -hmm. they're being shipped in from the Philippines. It's like, no, human trafficking is 80% is at least domestic US citizens. And it was hard for me to identify, but I'd seen it a lot and I'd been around it a lot. And it was, it actually wasn't a part of the original mission. The original mission was more like rape and sexual assault and domestic violence. And then once I started getting into those circles where like we started working with the Girl Scouts and I started working with domestic violence shelters and people just started recognizing what I was doing and they started asking me like, well, what about human trafficking? Like, yeah, we should talk about that. We should do something about that. What about talking to guys about masculinity and why men are perpetrating this on like a 98% rate, men perpetrate 98% of rape yeah. and assault and all these things. And were you gonna talk to young men about that? Yeah, I should do that too. So like the world was telling me what I needed to do and human right. trafficking was a part of that addition of I have a program, had have a program in 2016 that dealt with violence against women, but then the world started telling me what it wanted. The world said human trafficking. The world said talk to young men. Yeah. The world said talk about technology. Like all of these things were born out of the demand that was presented to me. Amazing. Um, can you talk specifically about that situation that you were in, that you saw human trafficking happening around you and you didn't really understand it or know at the time, sure. but later on. This is like when I say that I'm an open book, this is the only <laughs> thing where it's like other people's stories and other people's reputations are very dear to me yeah. and their trust, so like I have to be kind of oblique Definitely. in the way that I answer yeah. things. But it's it was people that I had known that were in relationships with other people that they believed that they loved mm. that turned out to be selling them to their friends and, and, and they met somebody online and all of a sudden you know this guy says he's gonna fly you out to this place and this place and this is the dream guy that you met on Facebook and he's so interested in you and he he wants to buy you these things because he cares about you so much and then next thing you know I mean that's how it works is that and that's how, that's what I saw but I didn't wasn't able to put those things together at the time yeah. I was like, this guy's an asshole why is he doing that it doesn't make any sense that's actually a trafficking syndicate it's actually somebody who is targeting people who seem like they're lonely and seem like they're looking for connection and giving them that connection yeah. you know it's the kid walking home from school that doesn't have strong family values and doesn't have much support at home and you know the guy will roll up and be like hey do you need you want some shoes want some shoes I got you you need a ride home I got you and then all of a sudden this supporting loving person will ask you to do something for him mm -hmm. and what he'll ask you to do is probably have sex with one of his friends which are actually his customers and that is very a super gray area. It's not black and white. He's gonna abduct you off the street and you're gonna be in a cage. And It's not the way it works. It's you, there's somebody that you care about is going to do something that is heavily against what you actually wanna do, but because you feel like you care about them, you feel burdened to do what they're asking you to do. Yeah. In that manipulation. Because it's tying in that exactly. emotional piece of exactly. manipulation. Exactly. And so a lot of the work that we do to prevent against that with my foundation, like preventative work, is I, I call it thought work. And it's the idea of establishing an emotional anchor mm -hmm. of when you go out and you're in a relationship with somebody or you meet somebody online or you meet somebody in the world and you, become, you develop feelings for them and you become friends or you get into a relationship, our emotional anchors can become, it, they can get mixed up. Like, yeah. 
and the way that we establish it, especially with youth, is helping people, helping kids especially, to determine what love means to them, or what success means to them, or what happiness means to them. Because our hope, and, and we've seen it work, and, and I've heard from people where it's worked, is that if you establish those principles, if you establish those values, like, okay, me now, in a stable environment, what does love mean to me? And then when you go out into the world, and the reason why I call it an anchor is because like when you when you think like stormy seas and like a ship and your anchor, like you can't you can't get any stability. That when you go out and things get dicey and you don't know if you're okay with the situation, the the attempt and the hope is that you can come back to the way that you once thought and went, is this okay for me? Would I have wanted this? Is this truly is this truly something I would have tolerated at another stage of my life? And hopefully if the answer is no, that it creates that little bit of detachment for you to say, this is not worth it. This is not okay for me. And that, such a, it's such an interesting concept to um, to be teaching about love yeah. and how it works because right. no one teaches anybody that. No, no, we, you te know? we teach about algebra, but we don't teach about yes. love. <laughs> you know, we don't have those those real conversations. And um, I've had conversations with my friends about that mm -hmm. because we, you know, we all end up in relationships and that either have not worked or we see friends. In relationships that have not worked and we can see it you know from the outside yes. and they can't yeah so it's it's just an interesting concept you know yeah again, teaching help, about that. helping people to detach internally mm -hmm. and I don't mean detach from their feelings and, and in a toxic way I just mean in a, in a rational logical way and look at the situation and go one of the best ways we do it is is through a narrative or a rationalization and saying like would this be okay for your best friend mm. if you're in this situation if you would this be okay for your little sister or your kid would you tolerate would you be okay with them tolerating what you're currently tolerating absolutely if the answer is no then we have to develop the strength to really make a change here but when people go out into the world it's not black and white it's yeah. but if we can decide for ourselves this is what I'm okay with and this is not what I'm okay with it makes a difference in how you perceive yourself and the way you perceive relationships and situations and things that happen to you in the future. What is love? What does that mean to you? Yeah, wow. Um, and how are, how are the people that you're teaching responding to this? Um, in, in the beginning, it was so funny. I remember we used a venue, there was a little jiu-jitsu gym in, in Escondido. We taught our first class and it was like my pilot run of like the first class, there was like seven women and we were sitting around and it was coupled with self-defense so we we use self-defense as like a an activity not as a forefront most groups use it as a forefront of like we need to teach women how to defend themselves yep. and that's it and they like check it off the box like i went to every single college in southern california and pitched them what we did and they looked at me like i was crazy they're like the campus police already do this what, what do you mean I'm like no but it's not working right it's clearly it's more than just self-defense and i've known yeah. women that have had tremendous like thorough self-defense training and have been in terrible situations because it's not just like I'm gonna defend myself there's yeah. so much to it and we had our first class and we sat in a circle after we got done with our session and the question was what makes you happy and we were on the circle and these were grown people these weren't kids like these were adults like 20 college age 20 years old 30 years old and one one was 60 and I said okay we're gonna talk about happiness like what makes you happy and the intent was to establish this anchor and like I was so early in the process I was I was still learning and we went on the circle and everybody there multiple answers like oh, I like Starbucks and <laughs> I like I like walks on the beach and um, a good movie you know it just really makes me happy and I was like no but really like what what is happiness like what does it feel like to you what is that what does that mean what is somebody doing for you that makes you happy what do you do for yourself that makes you happy and it was a question that I needed to work on 
but it was a question that definitely they needed to work on too. And I think it's something we all should work on constantly because it shifts. Yeah. And, and it was one of the most transformative experiences I've ever seen in a small group of people. Of the bonds that were formed there, and the and the way it, it almost turned into group therapy. It was something. It grew into something that I had no idea it was going to grow grow into. And to be able to see them sink into themselves and see the value that can be had from actually knowing themselves, because most of the turbulence in our lives comes down to us not knowing what we want. It comes down. It comes directly from us getting a job, and or like the, the cliche analogy I always use is the job is like. Well, should I take this job or should I take this job? Well, if you really knew where you were and what you wanted, it would be easy. Like, this aligns with me and this doesn't. Yep. And we, we, we just kept sinking deeper and deeper into that. Like, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Why is that important? And the line that I always use that always gets people is like, something is going to make you happy. Something will. Somebody or something will make you happy. But if you don't decide, somebody else is going to decide that for you. Yep. Whether it's drugs or it's alcohol or it's success or it's money or whatever, something's going to do it for you. But we have the chance in these kinds of settings, once we have the awareness, to do the work. And like, no, this is what I want. It, this is what happiness. I want happiness to mean to me, because it's really easy to slip into this toxic like, alcohol makes me happy, or this toxic person in my life makes me happy, and to become attached to that on a subconscious level, which is hard to break down in like an hour long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I think a lot of people one aren't um, turning inward. Yeah, and then. Before that, we're not taught to turn inward, yeah. you know? Absolutely. So it, it's how we're not necessarily even brought up by our parents, which I think that's part of it, but what we're taught in school and well, society sure. and everything else. And we're not looking inward and, sure. and we're not checking in, you know, throughout our whole life over years, when nonetheless months or weeks or days, you For know, sure. which we should be looking in and seeing, well, why am I grumpy today? What is that? Where's yeah. that coming from? 100. You know, I always ask people like my class, like I teach, uh, teach school and I always ask them like every class we start is like a, a check in like one yeah. to 10. How are you today? Yep. And then why? I'm a 10 today. Today's great. It's chilling. I love today. <laughs> like why? What's it? Why? What yep. does that for you? That's important. Yeah. It's important to know. I'm sad today. Why? What's going on? Because if not, then it's the same thing as like defining happiness. It's a dice roll of maybe I'm gonna have a good day or maybe I'm gonna have a bad day. But there is a recipe to these things. There are things that we can sink into and figure out what, what you will and won't tolerate. Those are very important concepts for happiness. If you're in a situation where you're tolerating a bunch of things that you know you shouldn't be tolerating, it's going to affect your happiness. Sure. And setting that up so you have that standard beforehand, before you go into the world or before you go into your next month of your life or whatever, those things it's the most important and the most difficult work that we'll ever do. It's the most important and the most difficult. Absolutely. It's easy to avoid because we're busy. We've got jobs and bills and kids and school and goals. and But everything rides on those on core values. Everything rides on those beliefs. If you can get those things together, your happiness, your success, your motivation, what makes me feel connected to it. If you can put those things together, everything else makes sense. And that's, we break that down in like the simplest, simplest workshop way. And that's what the nonprofit does. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Thank you. Um, I'd love to touch on this toxic ma masculinity sure. that you brought up. Sure. And how, how you're diving into that with these young men. And again, how that kind of started. Yes, absolutely. Um, so toxic masculinity is an interesting new term, right? It's, oh. it's something that we've invented in the last five years, maybe. And... The way that I look at it is that is a, it can be kind of inflammatory, like that word to call men toxic. And I know because when I used it around guys, they get offended because they don't want to, nobody guy wants to be toxic. Like men are not monsters. They're not, they can be, but they're not. 
And to say that men are toxic, like yes, men act toxic. And, and I think there are toxic elements that run through masculinity, absolutely. I mean, look at what's going on with violence. And, but at the same time, I will not choose to believe that that little boy at six years old chose to be a rapist. Right. It was not a conscious choice. Yeah. That was not the person that they said they wanted to be. There were influences. There, mm -hmm. were, there were things that led up to that. There was resentment and bitterness and vengefulness and, and, and injustice and things that led that person to feel like they needed to take that control. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse for what men are doing at all. It's not at all. But I think if we want to adjust, address a systemic problem, we need to address it in a systemic way and not just say that men are acting toxic right. and address like what the hell is actually going on. Yeah, what is you going know, on? What is up? And I think that men need support I think that men need support in a, in a real way, not in like a kind of cuss. Are you, is, are, you okay, are you okay with cussing on the podcast? Oh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, I, mean, I curse way too much, so yeah. <laughs> I, I think that there's this cliche of like, you just need to go out and fuck bitches and get money. Yeah. And that's how we tell men, like that's what a real man is. Like when I was 23, I needed to be a real man. I had money, I was strong, I was athletic. Like, yes, I'm not. But that, that wasn't making me happy. Mm -hmm. So what happens to a guy when... You tell him that this is who he needs to be, and he'll do. He'll, there are two. There's one of two outcomes when you do that to any person, is that they're either spend their entire life trying to get there and saying, "Well, I would be happy if I got there," or they'll get there and realize that they're not happy. And that's scary because if I'm here and I have all these things that everybody tells me I should have and I have them and I should be happy, then then the problem must be with me. Yeah. Those are scary propositions. That's real. Yeah. And I think we need to provide support for men in a way that is that is real and in a way that is addressing what they actually need and what is actually going on without i mean yes the behaviors are toxic but one of, one of my favorite sayings and i learned it from the principal at the school that i teach is that <laughs> blame the behavior not the person mm -hmm. that the person is that you put the pressure on the behaviors and the way the way you're acting is not okay you are okay as a human you are redeemable and valuable but the way that you're acting is not okay and i think that we need to have a real conversation about men's emotions and the things that they're feeling and the pressures that they're under and that's not a call for like male privilege because I'm the last person to say that <laughs> men don't have rights. But there is clearly something happening that is making a large group of people, and it's men currently, but it could be anyone, yeah. that is making a large, large subset of the population act in a certain way. And that act is usually control. That act is usually redemption and, and look at me and I'm worthy. And those are, that, those are the underlying concepts to rape and sexual assault. And like I said, a lot of this sounds like I'm trying to rationalize or justify what's going on it's not at all it's just that you have to have empathy for terrible behaviors if you want to look at them a real in a real way and figure out what's actually going on yeah. it's a lot easier to say like he's a monster and he's a terrible person and we should execute him yeah it's really easy to say that and and that's right in some cases sure but if we want to look at what's going on with 12 to 13 year old Johnny mm -hmm. and the things that he's showing and, and the influence in his life we need to address systemically male role models. We need to sub yep. address systemically male communication and male male expectation. Like there's, there's so much to it, but I think that redefining masculinity is something that I'm that I'm big on. And it's, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about the event that I'm having for men, uh, we're having in two weeks, but the idea that we need to hold men to a standard of bravery and courage. Mm -hmm. Men have always been the ones to go out and slay the dragon. Yep. To hunt for the, that's what, that's what our duty is. Hunt for the village, be brave and courageous and venture into the unknown and be that stable masculine element. I think it's, it's crucial and we need that role. But that's no longer external. Externally, things are pretty great right now. The, I mean, especially in America, things are pretty prosperous. Like, 
Things are as, as good as they've ever been. We need to slay the dragon internally. We need to address and confront our emotions and what's causing us to drink and what's causing us to beat our wives and what's causing us to want to dominate people and to want to have, like, what is this? Even from a like top-down view, like, why is it cool for that guy to be in a strip club with girls shaking his ass, their asses around him? Why is that, a, why is that desirable? Because other men are just mirroring other men. Yeah. Why is that desirable? What's going on there? We have to address all those things. Like it's a, it's a deep, deep conversation. It is. I appreciate the fact that you're even attacking it Thank because you. I haven't heard any men address it. Mm. You know, it's usually women saying this is a problem. This is a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, is, it is clearly. <laughs> but the fact that you're saying yes, this is a problem, but how can we fix it? Yeah. You know, as a man. Yeah. You know, and I understand it a little bit. You Absolutely. know, as a man. You know, so I think it's just it's just truly, you know, so deeply rooted and sure. and um, I think it's something that we need to look at as open heartedly and as open mindedly as we can if we absolutely. actually want to create change. If yeah. you're in the business of actually wanting to create change, you have to pull back your biases and you have to pull back the things that hurt and the and the, the terrible things that have happened and say, All right, where are we at and where are we gonna go? Yeah. And it starts with young men. Yeah, it starts sure. with, with role models and it starts with people in power and people's in posi- people in positions of power and influence modeling the powerful thing that they can be in the right way. I think it's I think that's where it starts. So what does the program um, look like for these young men and how young are you starting? Who are you now and who do you want to be? And that who are you now is a very deep question and who is you, who do you want to be is a very deep question. Mm-hmm. Who are you now is a great place to start because we can start to hopefully pull back some of the layers of like, why are you the way that you are? Mm-hmm. What do you believe? What do you value? What is important to you? What do you care about? And where do you want to go in life? And how can we get you there? And the way that, with the way that we do it specifically, I mean, there's lots of different ways, but the right. way that we do it specifically is, I have several male speakers who work with me mm-hmm. who come from all different walks of life. Like addiction and drug overdose and business ownership and prison and like all crazy walks of life. And they're all saying the same thing. Like you need to figure out who you are and where you want to go and we'll help you do it as the male role models like quote unquote like as people who have walked a little bit more of the path mm-hmm. this is where i went and i didn't want to go that way and i've had to do all this work and we can help get you in a direction of being the man that you actually want to be of, of doing it in a more positive way of doing it in a more constructive and, and helpful way instead of just letting them walk down the road and like, yeah, go make money, go have sex. <laughs> go be, go fight and be strong. Like my idea of, of a real man is like, yes, you should be able to sustain a woman. You should be able to fight. You should be able to, to make money. You should be able to do all, all those things. Those should be baseline. But you need to be intellectual. You need to be empathetic. You need to be compassionate. Like those, those should be characteristics of a strong, brave man. Absolutely. Because the war is internal now. Depression and anxiety and mental illness has never been higher, especially amongst men and the suicide rate. I mean, men, by large standard, complete suicide on, a, on an average that's way higher than women. So men are killing themselves. Yeah, because these things aren't serving their real happiness. The new fight for men is the fight to internal stability, is the fight to, if you want to be brave, you want to be a real man, that man is somebody who is not only externally brave, but is internally brave and can talk about the things that truly scare them. Yeah. Because that's, that's the part that men are scared of. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to be scared of those things, but you, what we need to hold up, and I believe that, I'm not trying to speak for women, but I believe that what women need to hold up and validate as well, because much of what men do is in, is in 
quest or journey for female validation yeah. is that women need to hold up like him you being emotionally stable is sexy yeah you being emotionally stable is attractive hey man are you listening so I, I know that it can be a, a little bit of a tough subject because you're working with people that may not want their identities yes. um, shared and things like that. But if you had a favorite story that you were able to share um, with either someone you worked with sure. mentoring or Sure, or I mean, like it's, that. It's, there's a lot of them. Um, the one that's easier to share that's really simple is that we went to, we went to a, a school and we gave some education and the school brought us on and they actually gave um, their students high school credit for the classes that we provided. So it was real incentive, like, hey, you can go take this class and you'll get high school credit for it. It's rad. They didn't, yeah. We didn't charge them anything. There was no money exchanged, but it was an incentive for the students. We worked with the students for a whole quarter, so it was a nine-week program. Um, and then I volunteered at the school, so I knew the students really well. And we had provided physical self-defense education to the girls along with this kind of like mental thought work that I was talking about earlier of like establishing happiness and love and everything. And one of the girls walked up to me, you know, just normal day, and she said I was in, I was in Balboa Park the other night. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Why are you in Balboa Park? I was there, and it was late, and my friends, and we were downtown, and we were just chilling. This guy walked up to me, and he grabbed me, and I, I did what you told me to do. I, we, what we do is we, all the stuff we do is evasive, so it's like if somebody grabs your wrist, if you're anybody, there's a way to be able to break that grip effectively. You can use like the leverage of your body to be able to break the grip. And uh, she said, I, I knew what to do because of you. And I don't know what would have happened, but nothing happened because of you. Amazing. And if I die tomorrow, like, <laughs> if, if, nothing, if nothing else works for the rest of my life, that moment made it worth it. Because who knows? Who knows what would have happened? Maybe yeah. you would have grabbed her and just let her go. Maybe you right. would have grabbed her and done all of the terrible things that can happen. But... That you knew what won't, to do with exactly. You. That will not exist because of education. Amazing. Thank you. Absolutely amazing. Um, sorry, I have. I'm looking at my yeah, notes, take, and we already take, had take, that. Take um, you're good. What love is, and we. I. I love that that topic, and just how you're able to teach that. But all, all good. Um, like if you could tell us more about your how to and how to not technology program, uh, yeah, we sure. interviewed. I love um, the research. I love it. <laughs> no, no, um, we interviewed um, Brandy both on our podcast recently, and she's from Power Project, so she mentors women um, that are survivors of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. So not on the prevention side, but on the survivor side. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned how easy it is to traffic from your cell phones. Is is that kind of what you guys are doing, yeah. or is it something different? Yeah, so How To and How To Not Technology is a program that's a branch of the Your Truth Foundation. So the nonprofit as a whole has many different features to it. It's it, it's gotten more complicated than I ever thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> so we have several different programs. Like uh, we have a true speaker program, which is public speaking, and then we have a violence prevention program for women, and we have support for young men. So there's lots of features to the nonprofit. One of the features is called How To and How To Not Technology. And that was a response to the world again. Like it, it was literally the world telling me like, what do I do? Like parents coming up to me and being like, what is Fortnite? What is what is Omegle? What is Kick? What is Snapchat? Like, how how do I help my, like, how do I parent my kids? Yeah. And I'm lucky because that, that was like where the two sectors of my life, life collided, where like marketing work is deep knowledge about social media. That's right, yeah. Because it's communication. And communication is deeply involved in business. And then that was just taking that parallel into the, the foundation and saying like, all right, I know a lot about these platforms but how are people being victimized and exploited through these forms of communication? And the simple way that I distill it is that 
human beings have been displaying these behaviors for their entire life that human trafficking and rape are not new features of human existence they're right. they're they're just being amplified by the tools that we currently have when we can communicate and get in touch with a lot more people there's a lot more room for explosive things and bad things to happen and yep. explosively good things but totally how to and how to die technology is basically the concepts of how to use the tools that we now have which are very new tools like social media and the internet and the cell phone the computer all of these things are deeply integrated into our lives now how to use these things effectively so that bad things don't happen and we talk to parents I, I have a crazy story like one of the parents I talked to was in the DEA and he invited me to the DEA headquarters I can, oh, yeah. I, I, I can share that story um, we talked to parents and stuff about like there are simple concepts that if you know about these things like understanding privacy settings on Facebook Instagram and Snapchat are basically the same for all of the social media platforms all of a sudden, like, and the idea, the program itself is just a seminar. It's like one to three hours, depending on the audience and what they want. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just a seminar about like, look, these are the things that are happening. These are the things that are happening on these platforms. And these are the concepts that we live by. But you will learn more if you spend 10 hours on YouTube researching these things, because there's so much resource in the world than you ever will for me. Yeah. So this is what you should look for. Now go look for it, because it's some of the most impactful stuff that human beings have ever seen. And that's kind of how we run it, like understanding that Snapchat targets targets a demographic that is ages 12 to 24, and that most kids love Fortnite, and that TikTok was the second most downloaded app in the world last year. It was crazy how TikTok just blew up. And it's aging up, yeah. which is nuts, because my high schoolers spend more time on TikTok than they do any other platform, which a year ago was only kids like ages seven right. to middle school. It was very young. Now it's aging up in high school. and what can happen when your kid is sitting alone in their room and somebody's reaching out to them and f establishing a relationship with them and then asks them to meet outside of social media like hey do you want to meet like this person's posing as a 14 year old boy right like nuances like that of these are the things that are happening go learn about these technologies go learn about these platforms because in essence all it is is human communication mm -hmm. if you understand human communication and how they're taking place on these platforms you got it you don't need to know all the details about everything. You just need to know the concepts of what's going on. Are these students open to being safe on them? Or are they like, oh, there's a new, <laughs> a new I, person that's interested in me and like I want to get to know them and yeah. not thinking that it's any harm? Well, I mean, when they know what's up, when they know what's, what's possibly coming for them, like, hey, just be aware mm -hmm. that there are people on the internet that poses other people yeah. so they can meet you or steal from you or whatever. Yeah. That can happen. Now all of a sudden your kid's going to look at that and go, oh, is this person doing that? As opposed to the innocent 13-year-old that Johnny Appleseed 17 messages yep. and says, hey, I, you know, I, I want to play. Like Fortnite's a big one because there's a lot of camaraderie that's built when kids play video games together. So they'll be friends on Xbox Live or on PlayStation or PC or whatever, and they'll play together all the time. And then one of the kids, one of the kids, one of the people that's posing as a kid right. in trafficking schemes will say, hey, you know, you live in San Diego too? I'd love to meet. Do we play all the time together? And next thing you know, your friend, your kid is just meeting somebody they think is playing Fortnite because right. they have no awareness around, you've had that conversation perhaps around like, there are people that do this. Be careful when you meet people outside of the internet, that kind of stuff. It's so scary because it, it it seems safe. I've been playing with this person, yeah, exactly. you know, for how long, yeah. you know? It's like, I've been playing this video game, you know? So it is, it's crazy. Yeah, the, the part about that people don't, don't want to and don't understand about pedophiles and human traffickers and rapists and like those types of people is that they're very good at what they do. Yeah. Which is 
which is not a compliment. Like, it's not a good thing, but they're not stupid and they're looking for weak links. Yep. And But the beautiful piece is they're looking for weak links. If you can provide a little bit of education or have that conversation with your kid or have that conversation with your student about what's going on, that little bit makes them not a weak link anymore. It makes them the person that is just prepared enough for that predator to go, eh, it's not worth my time. Yep. And yeah. it just takes a little bit of, just a little bit of help. Amazing. I, I really like to ask people on our podcast because some of our topics can be really heavy. How do you stay positive in all of that? Oh man, I, uh, I'm weird when it comes to things like that. I get, I think that darkness for me is gratitude. Hmm. I spend a lot, of, I, I do crazy weird things. Like I, it's easy for me to get wrapped up in business and wrapped up in like, oh, are we gonna make enough money and anxiety and my team and what do people think of me? It's easy to get wrapped up in that. but. If I picture somebody that I love dying, or if I picture you know all the things that I've seen that are terrible, this moment is so good right now. Like right now, you and I sitting here in this room, this room's air conditioned, the lights are on, I'm not worried about the ceiling falling on me, I'm not worried about this floor collapsing, my truck outside has gas in it, I have money in my bank account to put more gas in my truck if I need to. Like Those are things that we take for granted, I think that if we don't have darkness in our lives. So I look at it from this place of like perspective of, it's not bad for me right now. Like I deal with lots of dark things and that can be overwhelming, but it makes my life so much more bright in this, in this crazy way because I can realize that every moment I have capability and I have opportunity and there are a lot of people out there right now that do not, like right this minute, there are people out there that don't have what I have and I need to use that to help. Yeah. I need to use that, that is my thing. Like The next step in that process of like, I'm so blessed, terrible things have happened, yes, but I'm here now, why am I the one that gets to live such a good life? because I have the capability to help other people, boom, go. Absolutely. That's the way it works. I think that it's important to remember how bad things can be so we don't end up complaining about yelling at the barista because they put soy milk in our coffee. Right. Oh my God, yes. Because <laughs> that's what happens. Like You lose perspective over how good things are. When things are good for so long, you've, the way that I picture it is like there's all this light in your life. You have all this light. And then when any little speck of darkness shows up, it seems like a black hole because there's no perspective. Yeah. But conversely, if you know the darkness really well, any little beam of light seems like heaven. Yeah, yeah. what an interesting perspective. Yeah, contrast and perspective are yes. huge for me. Absolutely. Um, so I'd like to hear a little bit about how your speaking engagements got started. Mm. This is a little bit of a selfish question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <but. laughs> um, I mean, serendipity, in, in the game of entrepreneurship and building your own thing, you're in the game of serendipity and you're in the game of opening up doors for grace to be able to come in. Uh, and what that means, because that's a really loaded statement, what that means is that you're trying to put yourself in as many positions as you can where somebody can say yes to you, where somebody, where, where you're in a position and that means being said no to millions of times and that means trying things that you don't know if are gonna work out. But for me it was being in a position where I was I made a decision that I was going to be inherently me. It was a decision that I made. I remember the day because I was just starting and I had had a team of employees for the first time ever. Usually when I was doing it, I was just like kind of the solo guy that would like contract people. And, but this time, because of the cause, I had people that were like there with me. Like, no, we want to be in this with you. Like, awesome. That's so cool. We started the Instagram, the social media, and I was just going and doing my thing. And I moved really quickly. My brain moved super fast and I do business really quickly. I remember the co-founder that I was working at the time, I posted something that was a little too dark for her. And she goes, I don't really know how people are gonna see this. And she had this talk with me and she was an incredible woman, is an incredible woman, dear friend of mine. 
And after that, I said, no, you're right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is too dark. Like maybe what I said wasn't quite in line. Like we'll take it down. No worries at all. And then I didn't, I was, I felt like suffocated for the next three weeks. Like I was just judging myself into oblivion. I was sitting there going like, wow, but what I, this is a good idea, but, oh, but hold on. And I would think about all of the different perspectives and like all the different things. And I realized that I was just, I was so stifled by other people's judgment when I cared. So I started my own thing. And I was like, you guys can handle the social media for the business. And I, I, whatever you do, you do it. And then I made this decision of like, I need to be me. And I just need to, I need to just dive into this. And the way that I communicate is the way that I communicate. And these are my intentions. And if I come across the wrong way, I'm sorry, but these are my intentions. And I'm always gonna be listening to feedback and always adjusting, but I'm just gonna go and I'm just gonna be myself. And I made that decision that day. And I started sharing and started documenting and started putting things on the internet and started putting things on social media. And people were telling me everything from like, oh, you're just doing this to get laid. Like you just, seriously, people would tell me like, you're just trying to help stand up for women so you can get laid and so that women will like you. And then on the other end of it was like, you're a God and you're the most amazing man ever and you're doing the most incredible work. And I was like, I can't listen to any of this. <laughs> I can't listen because if I go one way or the other, like egotistical and conceited or like self-defeating and manipulating. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> so I just decided like, I'm gonna be me and this is my truth and I'm gonna go. And I'm gonna lean on my intentions and I'm gonna lean on my message and I'm gonna try to communicate that as much as I can and I'm just gonna just just keep working. Uh, the first gig I got was like teaching classes at a school. Poway High let us in to teach a couple PE classes. Um, and there was like 60 kids in each class. And I remember standing up there and there's like 60 little faces looking up at oh you like, God. what are we gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> All right, big man, like what, what, what is yeah, your program? What? <laughs> so I, I, and I learned and I you know stumbled and failed and that was kind of the first opportunity. Um, but the reason why I brought up serendipity is because the first, <laughs> the first engagement that was like one of my real speaking engagements was, it was a women's networking business event. It was mm -hmm. called, there's a group here in San Diego that I know super well called San Diego Business Babes. There's two different names, San Diego Biz Babes, and I think it was San Diego Business Babes. There's two different names, it was San Diego Business Babes. And, uh, Instagram DM is one of my favorite ways to reach out to people and just like hustling like talking like hey This is who I am. This is what I do. I would love to connect. I would love to offer something to you yeah. That's the key part of the DM Absolutely. is like don't just slide in there and be like hey What can you do for me like try to provide somebody with something? They were one of the groups that I messaged I sent them a message and they didn't respond for like two weeks <laughs> and then they said this is really interesting Can you send us an email with more information mm. send them an email three weeks go by? Nothing they sent me an email back after like a month. They said this is uh Devin, the founder, mm -hmm. and the, kind of the owner of the chapter here in San Diego, we'd love to meet with you. So I met with them at Moniker in Point Loma, the coffee shop, and sat with them, and my, uh, one of my affiliates was there with me at the time, and we sat down and I just talked about what I was, like literally what I said here was what I said to them. Mm -hmm. We do this for young women and providing education, and they said, we love it, we want to organize an event around you. Amazing. Like, Whoa. Wow. We want you to be our keynote, basically and part of the proceeds of our champagne sales are gonna go to you. And it's a business leadership event in downtown San Diego in this like loft, like second story, like overlooking the city, it was dope. And um, the whole thing came together off of one cold DM. And it was just like opening the doors for grace and serendipity. Like I was in the right place at the right time because I'd done the work. And then I went and gave a talk in front of like 100 business owners in San Diego. So cool. And there's still people that hit me up today or I'll like, I'll reach out to somebody like, oh yeah, I saw you speak at that event or whatever. And it was li like the way I speak here, or the way I speak to you on the phone, or the way I speak at that event. Like they're all this, they're all just me being me. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't shift much. And it was from that it was from that thing that unlocked me. That decision to be myself unlocked my ability to just like people are gonna judge me and that's okay. Yeah. And I'm gonna go be me. And then from then on, like 
it's just me being me and like doing my thing and just focusing on the action and not on the thoughts. Like that's one thing that really works for me is if I try to theorize, like with the podcast, this whole setup was specifically so that I could just do it and not think about it. Because if I think about it, I'll rationalize myself about like how it might go wrong and then <laughs> how I'm gonna be a failure. Like if I think about it, I'm gonna fail. So I just think about it. If there's not catastrophic results, I'm just gonna go. Yep. If there's not something that's gonna go catastrophically wrong, I'm just gonna try it. Because I'll learn more in that one hour of trying it than I ever will in thinking about it for hundreds of hours. Yeah. yeah. I've had to get into that habit too of um, not thinking as much. Just mm-hmm. I have this idea, yeah. take action on yes. it, and then, you know, the world won't implode, it'll be okay. No, yeah, you it's, know? and it's never as bad as you think. Like, yeah. Nothing nothing that bad is gonna happen. It, exactly. Everything, I mean, people die in society and we forget in a week. Like, <laughs> we're, we have, we're so short, a media cycle, we're so short on everything. Like, anything that goes wrong is not gonna, is not gonna affect you that badly. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a couple more questions. Please. Um, I know you wear so many different hats and you're, you must be really organized, but I'm wondering if you have any for our entrepreneurs out there, yeah. if you have any business hacks or mm. um, productivity hacks, organization things that could help somebody out? Uh, I live and die by lists and calendars. Mm-hmm. There's an app called Wonderlist, W-U-N-D-E-R-L-I-S-T. And it's, a, it's an I've app for, it syncs to your computer and to your phone and allows you to have, it's like the biggest to-do list of all. Like you can have a to-do list, but then you can have like different categorized to-do lists and it's like super organized and it's so nice. So I have like a primary to-do list, I have a secondary to-do list, I have a follow-up to-do list, I have like just like a contact, like when somebody mentions like, oh, I know this person, I should connect you, I'll put that on my little list and then I'll go back and check it. Like So smart. Yeah, it allows me to live presently. When people ask me, like the calendar too, I schedule everything. Everything is laid out on my calendar. I never, I don't know what's happening tomorrow unless I look at my calendar. Because yep. it allows me to be present here with you. For sure. It allows me to not be not be wondering. When people ask me, I'm just like, oh, hold on, let me check my calendar. <laughs> let me offload like this whole burden I have of scheduling onto technology. Uh, productivity and business hacks. Honestly, like what I tell people as far as like outreach and, and sales and stuff is that it's not rocket science. That whether you wanna get a woman's number or a man's number or you wanna sell somebody something or you wanna promote your podcast or you wanna get somebody to follow your Instagram page, like whatever it is, whatever your, whatever your thing is, instead of approaching that person and like thinking about what they can do for you or what you need or what you want, instead of like going in there with that intent, just take a second step back and think about what they might want or what they might need. And just think yep. for a second. Like I was, like, guys trying to get girls numbers is always the way that I do this. We're like, bro, how do you, how do you get <laughs> girls? I'm like, hold on. Like, <laughs> why do you want to get a girl is, is the first question. So like, why do you want to get the customer? Or why do you want to promote the thing is the first question. And then secondly, just think about what they want. It's mm-hmm. not rocket science. Just like actually care about that other human being for two seconds. Think about what the problems might be in their life, what their stresses are, like where they're at. And then give them something with no expectation. That's the problem. This is, this is, <laughs> Honestly, life-changing information. I learned yeah. this from another mentor, and it's it, been life-changing. It's, it's the yeah. thing because it's just Cause we don't think like that. Yeah. We think we think here. I wanna I wanna do this for you. I wanna do this for you, or you know, or whatever. Um, or you could, can you do this for me rather? Yeah. Um, but honestly, it's like this is what I can provide. Yes. I, you know, I want to relieve some stress for you. Yes. I want to yes. you know whatever it is. And the key for me was doing it without expectation. Yes give it to them and just let it sit there. Yep. If they don't follow you back, if they don't give you their number, if they don't buy your product, you didn't do it because of that. You just did it for them. Yeah. That's where the serendipity happens because you do that and I hate to be like motivational and cliche, but like everything in your life will shift. Yeah. Everything will shift fundamentally because all of a sudden people like people that care about them and 
additionally, it's compounding because we live in a society where everybody's asking for something constantly. Yep. If you're that one little light that is just like, no, I got you. Let me do something for you. Mm-hmm. It's a game changer. Yeah, yeah, it is. Lists, absolutely. calendars, and uh, empathy. Care about other people. Love it. I absolutely <laughs> love it. All right, so one last thing. Yeah. Your DEA Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, that's a good, that's <laughs> solid interview conduct. <laughs> <laughs> So I was speaking at a home in Bay Park, a, a teacher that I worked with and a mom invited me to their house to like gather a bunch of people in their neighborhood to have me give the talk on how to and how to not technology. And I was standing in their living room. We had the, we had the like slides on the TV. It was super casual. It was nice. She had snacks out. It was cool. There was like 12 people, something like that. And um, I'm giving my talk and we're kind of having this little, you know, conversation about technology and these parents are concerned my kids are spending so much time on social media blah 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 and there's one quiet guy in the audience that is super well educated and has all these great points and I'm like yeah exactly no that's a great I should add that to my <laughs> slides like that's a great point what do you, you mean? Teach this yeah exactly time, right? I was like you know more you want to come up here like not in a bad way I was just like dude you're super well educated and we break down we have the Q&A then we kind of like mingling afterwards talking and he approaches me and he says he says uh he says his name. I can't get, the only thing I can't give is his name because he's actually an undercover <laughs> agent. He, get, he, uh, he, gets, he tells me his name, we introduce each other and shake hands and he goes, that was a great talk, man, thank you so much. I'm like, no, thank you, I mean, you added so much. Where do you, how do you know? And he goes, well, I'm actually a DEA agent. I, I've been with the, I've, I'm special forces, I was, I'm ex-special forces and I was with the DEA, I'm with the DEA now and I contract for them, I do so through their surveillance. I was like, interesting, because a lot of what we were talking about was, cameras on phones and how people are being surveilled and tracked and you know like when somebody posts their location on snapchat how other people can find that and know where you are throughout the day like we were talking a lot about surveilling and wow. surveillance type stuff yeah. <laughs> and he goes i love what you're doing I, I i couldn't support it more he says i can't talk to kids because i'm undercover and he said i'll give you my card and if you ever want to come by the headquarters here in san diego and i'll show you what i do i'd, I'd love for you to come by wow i was like yeah but it would be a gift like i would love to come by sure no problem so he gives me his name and his card, and he says, just don't disclose my, because I'm undercover. If I ever run into one of these kids, like, it's just not good. Like, please don't disclose my identity. Like, no, absolutely, thank you for the trust. So we set up a time, I follow up with him, I give him a call, like, I would love to do this. We set up a time, and I drive down to the headquarters, and I pull up, and it's this totally nondescript building. Like, you would never know. It was in the middle of this business park, you would never know this is the DA headquarters. I roll up to the gate, and I press the call button. He says, just say my name, and they'll let you in. So I said his name, <laughs> I pull up, and I go to the back thing, and he's standing outside this locked door. And I park my car, he shakes my hand, and he goes, did you have any trouble getting in? I was like, no, you told me to say your name, and then, you know, we, I got in. <laughs> he goes, oh, good, because we have a rogue agent, and we're on lockdown right now. I'm like, what? Am I in an action movie? Like, we have a rogue agent in San Diego? Like, yeah. <laughs> so he brings me in, and we're talking about, he shows me all the different surveillance equipment that he uses. So what he does was, when another, when another field agent needs somebody surveilled, like they have a tip on somebody or something, they, he calls him and says, can you surveil this area in San Diego or can you tap, bug this guy's phone or whatever, it's all legal, like they have warrants against the federal government. And uh, he starts showing me all the tools that he uses to do his surveillance stuff. And he's just a normal looking dude, you would never know. You would never know he's ex-special forces. And he, uh, he shows me this water bottle, it was the first thing he showed me, it's an Aquafina water bottle, no problem. Like, looks like water, you can drink out of it. It has two compartments. One on the bottom has water, one on top has water, but in the middle where the label was, was a 360 degree camera and two laser microphones that could live stream. We could put it on the table in this conference room and it would live stream everything that was happening in this conference room up to three miles away. Like that, just a water bottle, you'd never know. And he showed me 
hats and pins and, and pens and everything that you could think of putting a camera or a microphone in, he had it. And then he walks me over to this crate and he goes, you want to see my rock? I'm like, what? <laughs> and it's this big like wooden crate and he opens up this crate and there's this rock sitting in it. And he pulls the rock out and he puts it on the floor. And he goes, this rock has three cameras in it and three laser microphones. And it will broadcast up to anything that happens within a mile radius up to three miles away to me in my truck. And I can set it down in a park and I can know anything that's happening. Optical zoom, I can zoom in, I can do whatever I want. I can point the microphones so they zoom in on a certain topic so I can hear wow. a certain conversation. And he just has to set this rock in this park, in, this, in a park or wherever he wants to put his rock. And he can surveil anything. It's public space, Amazing. like whatever you yeah. want to do. And uh, I got to the point where I was like, how do you live? Like you surveil people all the time. Like how do you like how do you is there a way to like detect it? Is there a way to like know if you're being surveilled? And he said it was this room similar to this side. It's like we're in like a conference room right now. It's pretty small. There's like eight chairs and a table in it. Um, he said if there's a room this size, he says I would need about three hours and I would need a, an infrared light. And I, what I'd have to do is turn out all the lights in the room and shine the light over every square inch of the wall to see if there was a camera in the wall and if the light reflected back off the camera lens in the wall, that's the only way they can find a camera. There's no way to find it. Oh Unless it's transmitting, if it's not transmitting and somebody just put it there and it's just recording, there's no way to know. Even for a DA like surveillance right. guy, there's no way wow. to know. So he said, what I want you to tell your kids is two things. One, that whatever you're doing in your life can be surveilled. That you you never know. There's no way to know whether somebody's watching you or not. So if you're doing something, be okay with the whole world seeing it because it's possible that they could see it. Good advice. Yeah. Two, this is not the time to experiment with drugs. That there's a massive fentanyl problem, especially in San Diego. Fentanyl is a drug that they put into basically everything. So Mexico right now is the most dangerous country in the world. Tijuana is the most dangerous city in the world right now, which is like 45 minutes away from us, which is crazy. That is crazy. The Sinaloa cartel, which is a Mexican cartel in, in Mexico, defeated the Mexican National Army and got El Chapo's son back. The Mexican National Army, the army of the nation, oh my God. got El Chapo's son. The cartel defeated that army and they gave the son back because the cartel is more powerful than the army in Mexico right now. That's insane. Mexico is a major drug provider into, into San Diego especially, but into all of the United States. China is manufacturing something called fentanyl. Fentanyl is what we use to execute patients on death row. It's the drug that we use to, to kill people. But if you take it in super like tiny amounts, like I'm talking like 0.1 micrograms, you take it in super small amounts, it gets you really high. Hmm. And what they're doing is China's manufacturing it, Mexico's buying it, and Mexico's putting it in their weed, they're putting it in the pills, so Mexico's manufacturing like Xanax, they're manufacturing Ambien's, they're manufacturing Prozac's, and, and Perc 30's, like they're manufacturing all these pills that are like pharmaceutical drugs, but they're not, and they're selling them into Mexico, or in the United States, and they're putting fentanyl in them. One microgram of fentanyl, aerosol and inhaled, will kill you, one microgram. So the idea is don't experiment with your drugs right now. This is not the time to be taking mollies. This is not the time to be taking ecstasy. It's not the time to be taking, like, buying off-the-shelf weed and, like, smoking it. Like, somebody could smoke fentanyl through a pipe and leave the residue in that pipe and you smoke weed through that pipe and enough of it's inhaled, it'll kill you. Oh, it's, my God. It's insane what's happening right now. How scary. Yeah. And it's not to be all doomsday. It's just, like, be aware. Be like, safe. Th these yeah. things, it's so, like, some, that information makes some people paranoid, but it's much... I'm less paranoid when I know that there's danger and I can address it and be yeah. like, okay, that's out there. All right, I can prepare myself for this as opposed to just kind of like walking through the world and not knowing what's going to happen. 
Yeah. But fentanyl... That's what you said in the beginning. Stop hiding and, and look at it directly and then we can prepare ourselves. Absolutely. It's something... They put it in drugs because it cuts the drugs down. So like, it's so potent that they can distill their um, marijuana and give people shitty marijuana or give them, give them really low-grade cocaine or whatever, but it feels really high-grade because it has fentanyl in it. But wow. the, only, the only problem is there's not really laboratories down there. It's not that precise and fentanyl has a really high risk of killing you. So. It's sketchy. Don't don't be don't experiment with your drugs. That's oh what the God. DEA taught me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never look at the world the same way. <laughs> yeah, now you know. <laughs> we touched on so much today. Yeah. Thank you so much. Was, I cool I'm interview. so excited for our listeners to hear about this and sure. all the good work that you're doing. Thank you. Um, where can they find you? So the school that I teach at is called Abraxas High School. It's in Poway. It's off of Pomerado Road. It is an amazing school. It is a school that deserves all the support it can get. It has a garden on campus <laughs> that is the number one garden in the nation two years running. It's all student built. There's Amazing. aquaponics and solar. If you're interested in agriculture, please head over to Abraxas High School, A-B-R-A-X-A-S. Um, they're, they're a beautiful school. And if you, if you want to support kids, you want to support education, they're a great, great place to start. If you want to support the nonprofit me that is advocating for the stop of violence and trafficking of women and children and advocating for the education of prevention. You can find that, uh, Your Truth Foundation, Y-O-U-R-T-R-U-T-H Foundation, exactly how you think it would be spelled. <laughs> There's a website, truthfoundation.org, as well the Instagram is your, at Your Truth Foundation. And if you, wanted, if you need media work or you need video or podcast production or you don't know where you're at with your business and you need somebody to help with your brand or your graphic design or whatever, that company that, that does that work is called Stigma Solutions. And the website is www.stigma.solutions and the Instagram is also stigma.solutions. And I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's there's, awesome. lots of, there's lots of different plugs. Oh, and uh, I don't know if this will air in time, but it's something that we're working on is that oh, there is a lady named Christina Solis who is an Instagram influencer. She has like 18,000 followers and she runs vulnerability retreats for women. Amazing. She does these incredible retreats where she helps people tell their stories and she helps people work through trauma and get them referred to therapists and just kind of get started on like their healing journey. And a lot of the women that she worked with asked like, will you do this for my husband or can, my, can I get my, is there a place where my boyfriend can find this? Like there's men in my life that need this too. And yeah. she always said no, because she's like, I'm a woman. What do I, what do I know about man, men? <laughs> and about a month ago she approached me and said, would you like to do this with me? Would you like to co-lead or facilitate something so for men? So cool. So we have one coming up. It's a three-hour session. It's called a tribe workshop. And the idea is that we're trying to provide support for men, how to protect, how to provide and, and lead and really become the man that this world needs you to be, how to like travel into that internal place and be okay with yourself and really get the brain to work, like get the mind to be in line with the body and be strong physically and mentally and spiritually, like not just for yourself, but for the people in your life, for the Absolutely. people that you love, for the people that you need to lead and support, for those kids that are looking up to you, for the, your wife, or your, whoever. And um, if this is airing after, the, after that, um, mm -hmm. is that gonna be happening again in the future? Yes, there will be several of them. So they're called tribe groups. The best, pl best person to contact is either me. Mm -hmm. uh, my personal Instagram is at M-A-T-T B-U-R-N underscore O-W-O, -O. it's Matt Byrne O-W-O, -O, or Christina, who is at Secrets of Sunshine. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, and sh is she the one, did she interview you? 
Um, I've interviewed her. We've done a bunch of stuff. We, I've, inter I've interviewed her. We made a video for her. There's lots of, we, she, okay. she has lots of work with us. Yeah. I know. I definitely follow her. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. That, Thank you That's so exciting. Absolutely. I'm excited to hear more about that. Thank you. podcast, we recognize that we do not live in a bubble. We are all connected. There are people behind every product we shop for, and we can influence their lives when we vote with our dollar. If you like this episode, take a screenshot and share it on your social media. When you do, you'll be entered to win a giveaway that we will do live on Instagram once a month. Tag us and follow us at The Philosophy Podcast. Good luck. Thank you.